All right, live from Harrison County, West Virginia, we want to welcome you to the Healthy Harrison podcast. This is a show designed to help you change your state. I'm your host today, Amy Haberbosch Wilson, and our co-host today is Brock Malcolm. Brock is an attorney and a, from Bowles Rice, and he's also the president of Healthy Harrison. So Gary is uh, off today, and we welcome Brock. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks, Amy. We're streaming this program live on Healthy Harrison Facebook page, as well as the statewide distribution network of our media partner, WVNews.com. Every week at this time, we chat with individuals who are focused on the mission of Healthy Harrison, fostering measurable improvement to the health and the well-being of our citizens in North Central West Virginia. The podcast today is brought to you by WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, Western University, The State Journal, WVUNews.com, and Interaction Media. So today, our guest is Dr. Mark Pavroznik. I hope I said that right. Perfect. Dr. Mark um, is a Vice President of Quality and Chairman of Infection Control at WVU Medicine United Hospital Center. In his current roles overseeing quality, Dr. Pavroznik leads many areas including data management, patient safety, infection control, care management, hospital accreditation, and clinical pharmacy. We're pleased to have you with us today, so welcome. Thank you very much. Hi, Mark. Hello. Well, I want to go ahead and start and have you kind of introduce yourself a little bit more than what I've done. And uh, again, we welcome you and thank you for being with us today. Oh, well, thank you. Um, you know, you know, I, I think about my role at times in, in, in healthcare and what kind of drives me to be there. And it, it's really about playing a, a critical role in, in the aspect of our lives that's important, which, which is our health. And I believe that's what drives a, a lot of our healthcare heroes whether they're doctors or not. And for me, it's always been a, a challenge to have uh, ongoing opportunities to, to try and make meaningful change in healthcare. Um, you know, my mother actually supported that dream at a very young age. She actually bought me my first medical book and I enjoyed reading it often. And, you know, once I uh, started studying Latin a little bit, uh, the, the Latin meaning for a uh, doctor kind of echoed a, a life journey, teacher. Um, so my initial dream was really to be a surgeon, and it was an unforeseen circumstance of an autoimmune illness that had to change that pathway when uh, a national well-known uh, rheumatologist said, you'll never operate. And, and so sometimes uh, we're, we're given different challenges, but the vision doesn't change. And so I, I sought a, a different pathway to where I can continue to be challenged in healthcare, and that became clinical pharmacology and, and infectious disease. So, you know, there are lots of types of doctors out there. I salute them all as we get through the COVID pandemic, but I salute all of our healthcare heroes that have been there trying to make a difference in healthcare. Well, thank you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your, your role as the VP of quality? Sure. You know, quality really is a word that encompasses and, and touches on many operations within a hospital. Uh, as, as you mentioned in, in the, the brief bio, my, my areas of responsibility, uh, touch infection prevention and care management, hospital accreditation compliance standards, safety, peer review, performance improvement. Um, I serve on many of the WVU Medicine affinity groups where we are all working together as leaders across West Virginia in, in our facilities to, to find ways to standardize, to, to share, and to improve. But when you get a little bit more into the weeds of, of my role in quality, it's, it's about preventing unnecessary readmissions to the hospital. 
It's preventing complications during care delivery, uh, preventing hospital-related infections and safety events, helping to assure that the integrity of our data reflects the care that we provide. Uh, it, it's about being innovative and, and visionary to help lead process change, and that takes a whole team. Uh, and, and determining ways to lower the cost of healthcare, so we constantly are working to improve the value of healthcare. And it, ultimately, it's to build along with a large leadership team what is considered high value care. It, it's always about shining a light on our opportunities and supporting a, a culture of safety and engagement. Mark, uh, as Amy mentioned at the outset, I'm, I'm an attorney, but I happen to be a healthcare lawyer. I work with a lot of healthcare providers, and I know that the transition from the traditional fee-for-service models to one that's based on quality and, and the decrease of cost, like you said, uh, is something that everybody's thinking about. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the, the triple aim that has been put out by the, uh, the Institute for Health Improvement and, and how United Hospital uh, Center is working not only to, to uh, improve the, the safety and the quality of the services provided, but also to improve patient experience and things like that. Absolutely. You're bringing up a, a great point that, you know, we can step back just for a second to the Affordable Care Act. And, and everyone recognizes that it was to bring about care and make it more affordable. But in that 900 and some page document was really the transformation from pay for performance uh, to uh, pay for outcomes or improvement. Uh, it was the release of transparency. Uh, and so our data is publicly available as, as well as all hospitals on many measures that it's important to our government as to how uh, healthcare is valued. Uh, and that'll continue to change and transparency will continue to evolve. And you mentioned the triple aim and it's an important concept and one that we teach to all new hires upon uh, arriving to UHC, the slide goes up and we have open dialogue as to what does a triple aim mean? And it really means that at the center, your focus is always the patient. But surrounding the patient are three principles that have to have equal attention or you lose sight in terms of your overall performance around that patient. So one aspect of that triangle is quality, safety. You can put in that bucket everything from uh, falls, pressure injuries, acquiring central line infections, uh, any safety event. Another piece of that triangle is Medicare spending per beneficiary, cost of care, efficiency. That third piece is customer satisfaction. So we have to involve all three pieces around that patient to really center on raising the value of care from all aspects. Well, you know, through this COVID pandemic, one of the one of the things that's now come up is sort of the, almost this fourth aim, which is also the experience of the clinician. We Absolutely. hear a lot in the industry about clinician burnout and uh, the amount of stress that people are under during the pandemic. What are you working on to try to improve the experience of your clinicians and to make sure that that you retain uh, the talent that you have there at the hospital? Absolutely. Yeah, the triple aim expanded to the quadruple aim because that, that component, especially as the electronic health record expanded across the country, is fatigue and, and uh, burnout and, and too much time in front of the computer. 
but as you bring up, it, it's more encompassing than just our electronic health record. It's your well-being. And it's something that we talk about here at the hospital, that we have various systems set up with our, our human resources department through our, our, our phones and apps to you know, give us an, an outlet to, to voice concerns and where we're feeling tired or where we need help. Um, we're spending a great deal of time around that initial component of the, the quadruple aim is, is that, that the record, the health record works for the provider. Um, so we have extensive teams that are building order sets, making them smarter, less clicks, less alerts, meaningful alerts. Uh, so it, it keeps that provider uh, in, not only engaged, but happy in their work environment as we expand for patients. You know, one of the things that the electronic health record has brought is patient portals and an increased access for patients into their own health care. Maybe you could talk a little bit about um, how that's changed the model that uh, health care is using to deliver care to patients. Oh, you know, if we call COVID a black swan, if we accept that that was a, an unforeseen circumstance, but from it, came some aspects that were needing to change and help them to change more rapidly, you hit on one. Patients access to their care. Uh, across WVU Medicine, it's called MyChart. Uh, it became a way for, for patients to have access to their information, to communicate with their providers, to, to have face-to-face -face meetings. Uh, so MyChart is an important tool, not just for engagement, but also for satisfaction. And the more you understand your own health, that you're connected with your health concerns, then you're also raising the value of healthcare and you're, you're affecting uh, the healthiness of the individual by giving them that access. And we continuously expand it. We most recently expanded it again uh, to where uh, patients can uh, uh, schedule some appointments on their own through there. Certainly you can messenger your provider we expanded the access of the reports that go directly to the patients. So they're more informed real time. It's such an important thing too, if you're, if you're traveling, you know, that, that, that and you're, you're in another city and you have an injury or an accident, um, you know, that, that somebody could access their electronic health record and find their medication list and, and any past history that might be complicating to the current situation. It, it has to be a, uh, tremendous relief when somebody comes into your emergency room that the uh, doctors can access those records and not just be flying blind with patients that may not be the best historians of their past. Absolutely. Not only for the patients, but for providers across WVU Medicine, we're all on the same platform called Epic. And so, you know, that prevents us from having duplicate care, uh, reordering tests that are unnecessary, which is also part of the value of healthcare to to lower unnecessary testing. So it is all integrated. And if they went to any other hospital that's on Epic, it's all readily uh, retrievable by the provider in front of the patient. I love it. I love it, use it a lot. I love, now I've got all the kids on it. So <laughs> love my chart. Um, one of the key attributes that you as, as an economic developer, we love having these, these key points uh, for the state. So one of the, the big ones right now, um, press release, United Hospital named once again, the Fortune IBM Watson Health 100 top hospitals list. If you wanna talk a little bit about that, but would love to hear more. Okay, sure. Uh, 
you know, for 26 years now, IBM Watson and Fortune have been uh, developing the, the, the top 100 list um, and communicating that in terms of transparency and awareness and, and as, a, as a way to continuously elevate and challenge the bar in terms of healthcare. Um, so as, as healthcare industry has evolved, the, the breadth and the depth of their study continues to evolve and set new benchmarks. Um, when you look back and what IBM Watson uh, brings about every year that they do this is that their top performing hospitals have had lower inpatient mortality. Uh, when you even consider the, the severity of patients, so the severity adjusted mortality is lower, fewer complications in the top 100 hospitals, uh, delivered care that resulted in fewer hospital associated infections, um, lower 30-day hospital-wide readmission rates to that hospital or any hospital that they may have went to, uh, that they were able to send patients home sooner, that they provided faster uh, emergency care. Um, they kept inpatient uh, expenses low uh, while maintaining financial uh, healthy environment. Uh, and they score higher on the patient ratings for the overall hospital experience. Are we that's the only, awesome. are we the only one that's um, on that list? Actually, yes, we're, we're the only <laughs> hospital in West Virginia. We're very privileged that this is our third time. Um, and, and so anytime I, I, I see an award or I, I don't celebrate them in, in the sense that I'm happy to hold a trophy or there's gonna be a new shiny object to, to go on the grand piano out there in the lobby we do see them as aff affirmation or, or reassurance that our systems and our processes are working based on how value of healthcare is being measured. Uh, so whether or not we're ranked number one, and we're, we're glad that we are, uh, the rankings promote discussion. Uh, they provide insight and they serve as indicators of how organizations are performing compared to their peers. Well, congratulations for the award for sure. and I, and I think we should celebrate it. I, you know, it's one of those situations, Mark, where often I think communities think the grass is always greener somewhere else. And you, you, people think about they have to go to Morgantown or they have to go to Charleston or have to go to Johns Hopkins or Cleveland for, for care. And, and it's important for us all to realize we have a pretty extraordinary hospital sitting right here in our county. We do, and I'm very proud of it. I know my, my colleagues in the leadership team all the way to the board of directors and the frontline nurses are proud of it. We should be. Um, they should, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that we wanted to talk to you a little bit about was um, what you saw on the horizon. You know, when you're thinking about quality care and, and, and getting more involved with your patients and, and improving experience, what are, what are your plans for... Um, you know, the next year, next five years, where's the hospital heading in those, in those areas? Well, we're, we're constantly looking and, and again, these kind of uh, awards and um, processes that are bringing equity uh, into the minds of, of healthcare, uh, you know, beyond caring for patients with advanced illnesses, hospitals and healthcare systems can play an important role in addressing critical community contributors to health. Um, so, you know, we're learning and all hospitals are learning through IBM Watson and Fortune that assessing and recognizing those contributions is as important 
as measuring hospital quality and, and patient satisfaction and clinical outcomes. And there are aspects to equity that are, that are coming forward as hospitals are healthcare providers, as hospitals are community partners, and as hospitals are anchor institutions to their community. So to give you a few examples, as a healthcare provider and, and impacting community health, examples of that would be our stance on being a tobacco-free campus, that we target patients on admission to the hospital uh, with smoking cessation and support and teaching uh, to start to change behaviors, that we have recognized that we have opioid use disorders and we have processes in place within our emergency room to start that treatment while we have the patient there. That, that we're screening uh, for alcohol use and, and offering treatment. And these are these community factors that oftentimes have existed for decades, but it's your commitment to that to try to alter it. That healthy food choices, uh, screening uh, all of our patients for social needs and trying to get into the weeds is what's there besides the fact that you're here for your heart failure or your, or your pneumonia. Um, Another great example across the healthcare industry has been around infants um, and adopting practices that support breastfeeding. Uh, and we took on that journey and it was a good two to three year journey of meeting all the standards and benchmarks and process changes to be certified as a baby friendly institution. Uh, and that earmarks uh, with on-site surveyors that these processes are in place and you're making a difference in terms of those newborns. Um, when you look at community partners, boy, you, you can't pick a better example than Healthy Harrison that kind of that fits in there and, and our support of Healthy Harrison as well. Um, but the, the partnership that uh, these evaluations get to is that you're, you're performing an active CHINA, your community health uh, needs assessment, that you're, you have stakeholders at that table helping to make those decisions. And we certainly do, and we make that available on our website, but you're also extending programs and support to, to try to change those determinants of health that lead to worse outcomes, hypertension, diabetes, um, and um, supporting our, our schools, um, helping to teach fresh and, and healthy habits, um, those type of issues. And there are others that we haven't done yet. Uh, I certainly remember uh, watching an episode of New Amsterdam when they were dealing with a complicated patient. I had a similar one and they said, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna take on housing. We're gonna get them their own housing. So those topics are out there. They're, they're harder to wrap our hands around. So some of them we meet good compliance with and others there are going to be challenges and discussion points as we continue to evolve. You know, it's one of the big changes for physicians is, is there is definitely a component of social worker now that, that maybe didn't exist 30 years ago. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult to talk to a patient uh, about a treatment or, you know, a course of treatment if they can't get to the appointment because they don't have transportation or if they, you know, they're homeless or if they don't have enough food on their table. You have to meet those, um, the hierarchy of needs, basic needs, before you can start getting into um, and forget about affording medications if they can't afford housing. Or so you're right. The social determinants of health has become uh, something that everybody's talking about, 
And that's something that clearly wasn't uh, part of the office experience uh, at the start of your career, I'm guessing. Oh, it certainly wasn't. But in healthcare, we, we you know, that's the, that's the privilege. That's the value of being in healthcare is that as it changes, it challenges us in new ways. And, you know, we're committed to try to find solutions. And it, uh, it takes partnerships uh, in the community. It, it takes uh, creative thinking. Uh, you struggle. You, you, sometimes you fumble. But you keep your focus. And eventually, you keep making progress towards meeting those determinant needs. Well, I know Brock and I, Brock being president and VP of the um, Healthy Harrison, both of us, we're very proud to have you as partners, but also in my other role as the executive director of the Economic Development Corporation of Harrison County, we absolutely love having you as one of the partners, growing the economy, being part of it. Um, so we, we thank you for all of that. And like Brock said, I think it is something we celebrate. We definitely do. Uh, well, so would... many, so many communities losing their local hospital. You see that oh, impact absolutely. not only on healthcare, but the tremendous impact it has with all those jobs leaving the community and, and tax base. And so, we really we're very, very fortunate here to have a hospital that's not only stable but growing and becoming um, you know, nationally recognized as a right. as a, uh, a quality hospital that uh, will attract other businesses to come into this area. People think about education and healthcare when they're looking to reestablish businesses. I'm sure Amy uh, can talk for hours about those two pillars, but uh, we're we're very fortunate to have both those here in this community. We are. I tell you one thing that stood out to me that I was, I was really proud to see is that, you know, our board of directors and our leadership invested in ultraviolet light uh, over a decade ago. We were the second hospital on the East Coast to, to take a different approach and, and try to control hospital associated infections. And when, when I got the results, it showed where does UHC stand as compared to the top 25 hospitals in the country in our group? we outperformed them over half. So uh, that, that, that's a tribute to that investment in, in safety to see dramatic results like that. And uh, you know that, that's from that visionary kind of a thinking that we can do things differently and we're investing in our futures to raise the bar and make the place safer. Yes, well, you spoke on the, the UV light system. Um, and I noticed in your, your bio that you traveled to Saudi Arabia and you spoke before an international audience concerning the use of UV light. Can you explain a little bit more about that too? Well, what a privilege. Um, <laughs> little old local guy from Clarksburg that you know went to Washington Irving and were challenged by some of the best teachers, gets invited to fly you know, 18 hours across the country to a world he's never seen. Um, but it was an exciting time to, to share what a hospital has done uh, to revolutionize how rooms are clean and the results that we had around lowering infections. Believe it or not, while I, there's a lot of money in Saudi Arabia, uh, they hadn't yet invested uh, into the te technologies in their healthcare system. So they were very intrigued. Uh, it was a great interactive uh, venue that followed by a, a trip to the CDC to share the same results. Uh, and that was also a privilege. But, uh, you know, ultraviolet is now has become uh, highly mobile. Uh, it was a lifesaver during the pandemic. So I think we're going to see it really explode across the United States as, as people recover from, from COVID. That here's an attribute that brings safety, that lowers infections, 
that's safe for the environment, that's easy to utilize and operationalize. And, and I'm gonna throw a tribute out to our environmental service workers because they're unsung heroes and they're infrequently mentioned, but they're the ones in those rooms cleaning them and operating these robots. And they were recently awarded the top hospital in the country on the East Coast for operationalizing ultraviolet light, that they consistently do it at a benchmark over time that other hospitals haven't. And, and that's a tribute to our staff. Oh, that's huge. I want to write that one down. <laughs> oh, great. Thank you. Um, I also noticed, too, that um, share your knowledge and your history, your love of teaching. Um, through your career, you've delivered uh, over a thousand lectures locally, regionally, nationally, and now recently, I guess this internationally, which is great. Yeah, I guess it only takes one and you get to call it international. So I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, <you're> <laughs> <with>. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, teaching is, is, is the, the Latin definition of, of, of doctor. And uh, you can have knowledge and keep it all in your brain, or you can try to find a way to connect to different audiences and different groups to share what you have. Um, and you know, that's also something I'm proud of with WVU Medicine. We, we have uh, experts across 16, 18, I'm losing count the number of hospitals that are sharing. Um, and, you know, through my career, I've certainly given lectures across the gamut of, of diagnoses and infectious disease topics and epidemics and pandemics and, and the like. Um, but that's the privilege, I think, of, of healthcare is sharing what you know and sharing it in a way that people can understand it. Well, you know, with the, you're talking about sharing. Uh, certainly, this has been a tremendous opportunity through this pandemic to, uh, to build the infrastructure for, you know, like we're on Zoom today, you know, for the, the telehealth network and, and not only so patients can be connected over long distances with specialists, uh, which, you know, eases those transportation burdens that we were previously talking about, but Maybe you could talk a little bit, uh, WVU and uh, uh, the other medical schools and many of the health providers around the state routinely get on calls together to do peer review studies and to help uh, address uh, complex medical issues, which is a sharing that, again, didn't exist even a decade ago. Absolutely. You know, I missed my chance, uh, you know, to buy Zoom. I could have made a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, when you step back from it, it, it really has revolutionized our lives um, from just telehealth. And, and, and we don't think of telehealth just from the elderly perspective. It certainly helped them and it helped during COVID to continue care. But also think about kids in college that need to touch base with their specialist or they're uh, following up a, a healthcare condition. To stay healthy, they can now connect uh, visually and, and, and stay on on track when oftentimes they say, I don't have time to do that. I've got tests coming up. I got this going on. So, you know, really supports the gamut of our age groups from the young to the very elderly, those that are working and other, and those that uh, have difficulty with transportation. And it took a pandemic to spearhead that forward. Uh, you know, there's, there's other deeper layers to what interfered with that and, you know, our payment systems and, and how do we do that but the pandemic brought that to light that we could expand those coverages. So, you know, I always look for, you know, what are the blessings behind the curses that, that were dealt with? And that, that was certainly one of them. Uh, and then from productivity perspective for healthcare, 
uh, I've grown to love Zoom, WebEx, Teams, call it what you want, because our, our ability to communicate and interact is just exponentially higher. And it certainly supports WVU Medicine and our leadership teams as you know, we have affinity groups and, and processes constantly being worked on for patient care. We can jump on a call in a matter of seconds and be sharing screens and not printing paper. And it's just a tremendous value. Yeah, it really is. Well, I think we're getting close to the time. Brock, I don't know if you had any other questions. No, we certainly appreciate your time today and uh, uh, sharing with us not only the good news of the award, but uh, the good work that you're doing there at the hospital. Uh, thank yeah, you very much. Great. Again, we have Dr. Mark Pavroznik, I hope I said it again, uh, Vice President of Quality Chairman and of Infection Control at WVU Medicine United Hospital Center for Internal Use. Uh, we want to thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, great information. I appreciate you. We also want to thank the podcast was brought to you today by WVU Medicine United Hospital Center, Western University, The State Journal, WVUNews.com, and Interaction Media. Thanks everyone today for joining us for the Healthy Harrison podcast. It's our goal to change your state of mind and ultimately change the state of health here and throughout West Virginia. If you'd like to know more about this, please visit HealthyHarrison.org or visit Healthy Harrison Facebook page. You'll find lots of support through all of us. Brock, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. It was fun and I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. And we'll see everyone back again next week, 1230, um, to change your state by watching our podcast. Thank you.